Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raph. What's up, dude? Dude, it, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been a while. What's that song? It's been um, a while. I think it's called It's Been a While. Anyway, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> good to see you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, man. How's life? Life's good. Minute. Movies are coming out. Uh, I don't know if they're getting better. But the beauty of yeah. film is that they stand the test of time, and you can always watch them. <laughs> you can when, always watch movies whenever you want, even if if it came out five years ago, ten years ago, forty years ago. You can watch it as if it was in theaters just yesterday. And so we're talking about a movie. Well, not movie. if you see it at home, because if it was in theaters just yesterday. You'd probably see it in a theater, unless but most older movies you see at home, unless, unless it's a re-release yeah, in theaters. Or the uh, the wonderful twelve months of of HBO now HBO Discovery plus twelve months double release Matrix oh, Revolutions, yeah. the Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah. That was the an little interesting. So bad. The le- <laughs> Indeed, that was uh, an interesting twelve months of. Uh... <laughs> that was cool because we got to see cool movies like like Dune and The Matrix in our living rooms. Yeah, but it also sucked because it caused me to watch bad movies like The Little Things and what was that Angelina Jolie one? Oh, uh, those who wish the me fire. Dead. Yeah, the like fire. I, those are movies that I wouldn't. I would <laughs> Jolie Fire, whatever. Those are movies uh, I would not have watched otherwise. <laughs> it's funny when I think this is completely unrelated to our discussion today, but why should this episode be different than any other? Um, <laughs> anytime I think about those who wish me dead, I, I I can't none of the I can't recollect any of the movie except for the scene where they're running through an open field and it's like the lightning is attacking them specifically from the thunderstorm. Oh, I for, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the only scene I can remember. I truly don't remember any of that movie besides Fire. Well, maybe <laughs> if, there's no easy segue. If you had uh, alien language as a weapon and could perceive time in a nonlinear fashion, you'd be able to recollect <laughs> smooth, <laughs> smooth. So, uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> And behind, yeah, I guess oh! it's gonna be, dude. Spoilers, what? spoilers backwards, forwards, and right now. Spoilers in the past, spoilers in the future. Yeah, spoilers in the present. Is it a spoiler if it's always existed? That's true. If you experience <laughs> the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie at the same time, can you re- can anything really be spoiled for you? That's that's an excellent point. I don't think it is. I don't. Yeah, I think I the think answer is yes, sense. it can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who haven't caught on yet or read the episode description of the <laughs> episode <laughs> you're, you're, you're listening to, uh, today we are discussing a film by one of our favorite directors, uh, mm. Denis Villeneuve. Never, I'm never going to say it right. Den, Denis, I don't have no idea how to pronounce his last. Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Villanueva. Is it Villanueva? Villeneuve. The... I believe this. Dennis <laughs> the Menace. Villeneuve. <laughs> Denis the Meni. <laughs> yes. Uh, acclaimed director from such films as the aforementioned Dune, as well as uh, Sicario, Hell or High Water, Enemy, Incendies. He didn't direct Taylor Highwater. No, he didn't. That's Taylor Sheridan, who wrote uh, Sicario. Sicario. Right. I got and uh, and the fire movie and the fire. So it is all connected through the fire and and the flames. It is all. It's all connected. It's one big loop. Um, And prisoners. Dennis the Menace also directed uh, Prisoners. Perhaps my. (laughs) Is this our first Denny movie? Um, did we do Prisoners? Did we do? I don't know. Sicario. We, do, we must have done Dune. 
We did Dune. We did do Dune. <laughs> we done Dune. Dune. Dune got done. Did we Dune? We done Dune. Dune did it. Did it. Did it. Dude. <laughs> we did Dune. Denny dude. Dune. We done did Denny Dune. We Dune. we we done did Denny's Dune, dude. We did. Um, I think that's per- it. Yeah. The- <laughs> that's it. Great episode. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Um, so today, cut it. Cut it. <laughs> today, we're talking about another Denis flick, uh, Arrival. Can I say it? Yeah. It's my favorite Denny movie. It's my second fa- favorite Denny movie. I think I know your first. Which? It's it's BR two four. Oh, nine. oh, that's right. He also did that. Um, Is that not it? No, it's Prisoners. Oh, interesting. I could give you my... I mean, my top three are Prisoners, BR42, <laughs> and uh, and Arrival. Those are my top three, Denis. Prisoners, prisoner, prisoners is prisoners. pretty... Fu- <laughs> prisoners. <laughs> that's a totally different movie, but Prisoners is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, you got to be one sick fuck for that to be your favorite Denny movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I acknowledge the insinuation. Um, I have no desire to refute it. Uh, <laughs> I love Prisoners. I love Blade Runner uh, 2049. 40, what is it? 42? 49? 49. I love, yeah, 49. I love Blade Runner 2049. And I love Arrival, the, the film we're discussing today. Probably um, up there, actually, along with Blade Runner 2049. Probably one of the best sci-fi movies ever made, I would say. Ever? One of them. <laughs> Top five? Um, well, here, okay. <laughs> to derail ourselves okay. even further before we even get started. <laughs> Top sci-fi 21st century, I'm going Arrival and Children of Men. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they both are probably in my top 10 and maybe top 5 if I were to like actually think through the list. I'm not yes. as high on Blade Runner as you are, but That's I'm due okay. for a rewatch. That's okay. You don't okay. have to be as high. Uh, Thank they, you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think about like best sci-fi and then like, oh, I think about like alien, you know, and like shit like that. Uh, and like Jurassic Park is, is technically sci-fi technically Mm, like, like the first star Wars probably. Yeah. yeah, And empire sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. So like, it'd probably be easier to do a top 10, but I do think that arrival is absolutely up there, at least in terms of like filmmaking, uh, and just like really thoughtful storytelling and narrative. Um, I certainly don't think that while as exciting and fantastic of a film as star Wars and star Wars episode five are, uh, I don't know if they really force you to think about things (laughs) in the same way that arrival does. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. for for any, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, uh quick little pre-discussion synop. Uh the film Arrival is about a linguist played by Amy Adams named Louise Villeneuve. <laughs> and uh that's not her last name. And um the premise of the film is that 12 alien spacecraft land across the globe in 12 different nations. And she is flown to the one that lands in Montana in an attempt to learn how to communicate with the extraterrestrials in the hopes of figuring out why they're here and what they want. That's the nitty gritty, dirty, dirty of it. It's perfect. Thanks, dude. All right, that's it. That's it. That's Arrival. If you want to know what happens and what it's about, watch the movie. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Where can you be found? (laughs) Uh, um, So, I mean, right, right, (laughs) right off the bat, just the subject matter is like 
right up there with what Villeneuve is known for these days. Like, you know, mm. you watch Blade Runner or you watch Dune and then you watch Arrival and you're just like, oh, this was sort of his, uh, this was like his, his precursor to getting into the hardcore science fiction, you know? Yeah. It feels like this was like a, like his warm up or like his, um, his like trial run for sci-fi because I feel like Dune has always been his, the movie that he's wanted to make his entire career. And this was like a trial run of, Hey guys, I can make a really, really sick sci-fi movie. Um, and it just so happens that arrival is much sicker than Dune, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Dune is certainly more of a spectacle in some ways you could say dude i don't know i was <laughs> <laughs> you got, i'm with you i'm with you yeah <laughs> i'm with you um no man i was i was so i wanted to rewatch this movie for a while and it made sense like hey if i'm gonna rewatch a movie that we both did we may as well then like talk about it into microphones and shit but while i was rewatching it um I got a 4K Blu-ray of this bad boy. Nice. Fire that bitch up the other night. Oh, and let me tell you, that son of a bitch looked real spicy. Like there Dude. are some some single shots, like the wide shots in Montana, of the uh, what is it, the shell or whatever the the spaceship yeah, is I called. Think, I believe they call it the shell. Yeah. Um, but just some of those wide shots of like that with like, and there's like a fog like underneath it. It's like absolutely stunning. It does. Arrival certainly doesn't have as many sort of big shots like that and like big set pieces the way that Dune does. Um, but when they do show up, it's like just as, if not any more stunning than what he's able to do in Dune. I agree. And I think particularly the shot you're referring to, I think what's so effective about it is that A, it just looks pretty, <laughs> number one, uh, which is nice. And Imagine. Um, Imagine something looking nice, <laughs> a visual medium. Imagine it actually being visually, uh, you know, <laughs> fulfilling in some capacity. Uh, so it looks nice. And also it communicates something to us as well. Uh, the sheer fucking scope of the thing and how little we are in comparison to it and how little we understand about it. So before we even really in terms of what the film is doing before we even are thrown headfirst into, you know, what's happening with the narrative and what's driving it forward and what uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner are trying to do. Uh, the film sort of sets it up just by the shot of this vessel. Like it, immediately you wonder, wow, that's an interestingly designed thing. What is inside there? Uh, why is it just, why is it there? <laughs> why is it here? Um, yeah. You sound There's... like Forrest Whitaker. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why, that's why his, uh, that's his main question. Colonel. I like for, I like Forrest what? in this movie. I like that. He, he um, yeah. in my list of notes, my only silly note is why does Forrest Whitaker at times dip into a weird Boston accent? And then at times know, he dips out of it. I know. I noticed that. Um, is he from Boston? I, I don't know. I can ask him. Um, okay. The, yeah. I'll get back to you on that. Um, no problem. Uh, I think that probably given that I think the char the character of the Colonel isn't really, you know, not that it's ineffective, but I don't, you know, I think the character is like, Oh, he's the authoritative fig figure. Um, I, I, I imagine that, when he was, they were just like, oh, who can we get to play this this part of this colonel? There's not much there in terms of character. What's a good actor that can elevate it? And they're like, oh, Forrest Whitaker could be good. And he is good. Um, but I, from imagining, imagining being Forrest Whitaker and taking this role being like, oh, so he's a colonel uh, in, the, in the army and it's the States. So maybe he has an accent. And he probably thought that during some scenes and then forgot. <laughs> <laughs> some others at first he was like i'm gonna really breathe some life into this guy he's he had like a whole backstory he's from boston he played yeah. baseball until he was 13 years old and this this and that and then he broke his leg and that's how he got enlisted in the army or whatever and then he just forgot he was like yeah my my character is kind of just here to get us from point a to point b so 
I'll, yeah, just, right. I'll just show up and read read my lines and then go home. Yeah, right. Doctors, we need <laughs> um, to know this. We need to know that. And most importantly, <laughs> we also have to know this. Now go do your scenes. <laughs> yeah. All right, Amy, Jeremy, go on with you. On with on with the plot. <laughs> Dude, the uh the first time I saw this movie, I saw it in theaters for I saw it for for a work outing. Um, and I, I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't heard of Denny Villeneuve before seeing this. Um, really went in super cold. And the first like 10 or so minutes of the movie, I was like, oh man, like we're, this is what we're doing. We're doing dead daughter flashbacks. And like, we're going to weave that into her story. And now she's divorced and trying to figure out what's good with the aliens. And then. You know, she's going to come to love the aliens or some That's dumb shit. That's actually one, or... of, one of Forrest Whitaker's lines when he's briefing them. He's like, I yeah. need you to find out what's good with the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what's good with them? Um, and I was like totally out on this movie at first. And then as it like starts to reveal itself and what it's actually about and how it's sort of like playing with our understanding of um, of like how films are made and like the language of films to to be punny um mm. as it starts like revealing itself and unraveling i was like holy shit this movie is fucking awesome and by the end of it i was like totally bought in um and it was just like a really cool experience to to have a movie sort of flip me like that in the middle of it like going in blind starting off thinking it's gonna suck and then coming out with like one of my new favorite movies um and each time i've rewatched it it like it hasn't disappointed um i agree with you completely i think what's so special about this movie is how grounded in reality the scenario would be um not even thinking about where the plot goes or ultimately the point of what's happening is um but just the idea that this movie is i think more exciting maybe than any other extraterrestrial film I've ever seen and why that is. Um, and I think the reason it's so compelling is you don't think about the fact that, oh, these beings from however many fucking light years or galaxies away come here. Uh, why do we think in any capacity we'd be able to communicate with them? Um, and the the film and the, the story itself, I don't know. I think, it, is it a book or, or it's, I think it's a book. It's it? based on a short story. It's based on a short story. Okay. Uh, well, the expanding. I've never read they, it. They nor nor did I. Probably should have. Uh, they oh, they read. Yeah, fuck no. Fuck, fuck that. I'll watch things. Um, <laughs> they. <laughs> uh, that's the whole crux of the movie is how fucking impossible because it like it's one right. We're, we're all human beings. It's one thing to like go to another country and you don't speak the language to like try to communicate with someone. Like we're all human beings. There are like universal ways of communication even if we don't speak yeah. each other's language you can do they, hand gestures yeah, or hand gestures like smiling means something what's yeah, interesting you can point to things you, you can point shit to your things. pants and people right. know that you need to find a bathroom right exactly they'll understand this this human need being needs to go uh, potty uh and <laughs> and the thing that's amazing about interacting with these extraterrestrials and this is why louise's character is so interesting too and some of the things she points out as a linguist that I think a lot of people don't realize is just how fucking complex communication really is and inflection and body language and what words like really mean, uh, when you think about, yeah, them. even and like that, translation. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. That's exactly, that's exactly, uh, on point. And so, you know, it's one thing, like reading our language or write or writing in our language. And it's another thing completely speaking in our language. Um, and the heptopods, which if you don't know by now, they are the aliens that Louise encounters uh, listeners out there. Uh, they don't speak. They write. And that's solely how they communicate. And they're writing. It's not, it, 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 they aren't words there. I mean, words are symbols essentially. So what when they write, it's just a circular symbol. It's uh, as the title of Tenet is as well. A, uh, a is it palindrome, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I get well. Yeah, all their all their circles are are palindromes. For, to a degree, as is the, I guess. The daughter's name. Yeah. Yes, Hannah. Right. In a way. In a way. Um. Yeah, dude, that totally fucked me up the first time. The first time I was watching it, um, when Jeremy Renner, like, I think about halfway through, um, starts to talk about um, sort of like the linkage between language and written language and sort of how we perceive time and like the greater universe around us. And just thinking about the idea of how no matter what language it is across the world, they're all written in a linear fashion and you you start in one place. And you have to finish a word before you get to the next word. And you can't like jump around and like, okay, I know that I want to put this word, you know, at the end of the sentence. No, you have to write everything that comes before that. And it's the same thing with how we perceive time. Like we, you have to get through, you have to experience the moment that you're in first before you can get to the next moment. You can't just, jump around from from moment to moment sort of as as you wish it 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 all or at least as far as we know um it all needs to happen sequentially um in like the way that it plays out right and and what you're describing is i i mean i I guess it's one of the twists of the film so to speak um Mm -hmm. in that when you know communicating something or speaking to someone it takes time. A sentence takes time to say, and like you said, it takes time to write. There's a beginning, there's the first word in a sentence, and there's the last word in the sentence. And if you're reading the last word, you don't know what the sentence is about. And if you're just reading the first word, you don't know what the sentence is about. And you read it linearly. And the way these heptapod beings communicate is in a circle. So it's just all at once. You, you see the thing, and you just get what the meaning is. Um, for example, their when they, they and it's interesting because their language sort of uh, evolves over time in an effort to communicate with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. So their understanding of the human language is very interesting too, because, for example, uh, the word "dying," like what's happening to this person? Are they dying? They interpret that as death process. They're in the process of death which is what dying is. And it's like, oh, death process. It sounds silly, but that's exactly what dying is. That's the simplest form of the word dying. If you understand the concept of death and the concept of time and how dying means that you're, you know, approaching death over time, then death process makes even more sense than the word dying. It's fucked up. It is. This whole movie is fucked up. Anytime you have to think about things like like the universe and how it works and our relationship to something as that seems as simple and you know not important as time um like when you have to think about how like other possibilities of how that could could be interpreted um it always messes messes with me but I'm also like a sucker for any story that does that well which is why I have issues with Christopher Nolan because he is really interested in the topic as a whole, but I don't think he approaches it with the same level of maturity as someone like Denny. <laughs> like this movie hits on both like the science fiction sort of what's happening with how she's understanding the time around her, but also it works on like a very human emotional level, which is like one of the hardest things to pull off in a sci-fi movie like this to make you think in a scientific way, but to also make you feel like there aren't a lot of movies that, that are able to pull off both of those things as well as, as arrival is. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. And with, with Nolan being on the brain, I mean, you know, I'm a tenant Stan as much as anyone, uh, but <laughs> more than anyone. Yeah, probably. But, um, you know, what's interesting about these these stories that involve time is inevitably you get to free will um, and fate uh, and that whole idea about it. It's just, you know, to, to jump the gun a little bit here, the spoiler territory, um, heptapods like language 
like the way they use and interpret language, uh, it's not linear for them. Um, they see it as if you would a circle. Rather than time being a straight line, time is a circle. Uh, a flat circle, if you will. And It's all connected. It, it's all connected. And what's interesting about what Tenet does is that there is a scene, you know, there are multiple scenes where John David Washington is interacting with himself technically from the future, um, which begs the question that he's already done those things and already going to be doing those things and the choice is already made. So how can anything different happen if it's already happened? Um, and this movie sort of tackles that question um, a little bit as we see because the heptopods know what's going to happen and they go through the motions anyway. Um, and the question is, well, is that free will then or is it all just an illusion? Um, and the movie doesn't really answer that question and I don't think it needs to um, because what, when you think about it like that, the truth is, and actually the Matrix, the Oracle discusses this a little bit, um, we, a cho choice is an illusion. We've already, we already have made our decisions. We already know what we're going to do. So even if we know what's going to happen, it's going to happen regardless because it would happen because we would make the choice regardless of if we know what's going to happen or not. That's what human nature is, is it's like, that's just what it is. Choice is an illusion. Nice. Thanks, dude. I don't really understand what, <laughs> what I just said, but. <laughs> um, no, no. I think that's that's kind of like the um, like the final moments of the film are, are sort of getting to to that to that notion. Like, is it is it worthwhile to to go through the motions of all of these things if you already know what the what the end result is going to be? Um, and Luis's answer ends up being. Yes, like it's a pretty, it's like a pretty positive movie. It's a pretty nice movie. Like after all this stuff with aliens and time and geopolitics and like the brink of intergalactic war and shit, like the movie really just comes down to be present in whatever moment it is that you're in, regardless of what you think or know the outcome to be, because um, like that's just what life is like. You got to take the highs as highs and take the lows as lows. Um, and as long as you're present in each moment, like that is the only way to get the most out of this life, because eventually we do all become death process. And like, what's the point in, in worrying about, you know, what's going to happen 15 minutes, 15 months, 15 years from now. Um, if you're not like enjoying the, the singular moment that you're in, right now because whether whether you understand or perceive time as a straight line like most of us do or if you understand it as a flat circle or a sort of like mismatch like um like you know scatter plot uh like Luis and the heptopods do like you either way you still only get one moment at a time it doesn't matter where it falls on like the timeline it's still just you still only get one moment whether it's in the right sequential order or if it's out of order, we only get one specific right. moment. Right. Absolutely. And I guess, I guess the simplest way to explain it is that assume that you don't know the future. Conveniently, you don't, um, <clears throat> you, the choice you're going to make, you don't know what's going to happen as a result of it. So you make that choice. Even if you did know what was going to happen, as a result of it, you would make that choice anyway, because you wouldn't know what was going to happen otherwise if you didn't make that choice. So you always know you're going to make that choice if you can see the outcome of that choice. So it's 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 uh it's an illusion, really. Um and what the heptopods offer her uh is you know the whole the the uh, the major the the major crux of the second and third act of the film are as Forrest Whitaker and the U.S. government, as well as the governments of all the other nations, being like, well, why are they here? 
and they give Louise and the other nations a uh, a phrase that says "offer weapon." Um, and what's interesting about that, and the reason it drives the plot forward, and why it relates to what we were talking about prior about you know misinterpreting communication and language, is that the word weapon, obviously in our in our minds, typically how we think it's some um, it's something used to to harm, to inflict harm in some capacity. Um, whereas, you know, uh, a screwdriver is a weapon, uh, a hammer is a weapon, a weapon is a tool. So uh, a race that doesn't understand the uh, implications of such a word and uses it in that capacity under the context of what's happening between their connection and communication with very nervous people when that word is used, it's completely misinterpreted. And of course, Louise is the one to point this out because she understands that where everybody who's nervous and is worried about war thinks the complete opposite. It's interesting how like the movie is about these aliens, but there are a lot of like geopolitical sort of aspects of it. And like, all of that sort of inter-country dynamics and like world superpowers and war and all that stuff all boils down to, yeah, like a lot of this stuff is caused by miscommunication because we don't fully understand each other. Um, we don't take the time to, um, to understand each other. You know, a lot of world conflicts and international conflicts could probably be solved by, um, just taking the time to communicate and understand what someone else might mean by um, by offer weapon. You know, they might not be trying to to bomb the shit out of you. They might just want to give you a gift. Uh, absolutely, and that I mean that is what the heptapods are doing. And it's interesting. It's actually very interesting rewatching the movie a second time with that knowledge uh, in mind. Because you 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 know that they know the progression of of events. You know that they know that Louise is eventually going to understand them. You know that they don't understand human language and communicating with people yet. But in the future, they will, and yet they still have to go through the motions of not understanding it because at that point they haven't yet. Yeah, they also might not know at that point. I think this is a good time for a segment I like to call Timelines. Yes. Um, <laughs> I wish there was like cool music or something we could play. Um, timelines. Timelines. Um, <laughs> so I was I was thinking about this while, while rewatching um, – this movie and i think like with a movie like this it gets tricky because like we're usually used to time travel movies not so much time perception movies which mm. i think like tenet falls into that arrival falls into that there are probably some other examples but it, it is a little bit different from your standard back to the future time travel movie the the heptapods and luis aren't necessarily time traveling they can't just like jump around as they please to different moments in time to you know then go back into the past and um and solve a mystery or like stop jfk from getting shot or, or something they just because of how they use language um they perceive time in like this sort of scattered way where time still exists the way that it exists for all of us in one um straight timeline um i guess probably need to no you don't need a second axis so time still exists on this one timeline and we just perceive it as said timeline a b c d e right heptapods and luis they see it as a c b e d so when they're at e they don't know that d is going to happen they just understand d as coming after c and they still need to get to D. But when we're at E, D has already happened. So we're like, what the hell are you talking about? That happened two months ago. And they're like, what do you mean that happened two months ago? I don't remember that ever happening. 
And then when when we so then E happens for Louise and Heptapods, and then we they go back to D, and then we get to D, and they're like, Oh, we have to do this because this is going to happen. But we're like, What the hell are you talking about? That's never going to happen, or like that's two months from now. What do you mean it just happened to you? I don't know if that made sense. I wish I had like I, a, a piece of notebook paper to sort I, of draw it out. I, <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I think also think about like you're walking down a road and at the end of the road, you, st- you, you can see down the road um, and there's a stop sign at the end of the road. You're not at the stop sign yet, but you know, the stop sign is there to get to the stop sign. You still have to walk down the road before you're there. Exactly, but the heptapod is already at the stop sign. That's right. And it's like, what do you mean you had to walk here? It's, I guess, the easy, <laughs> the easy um, or easier comparison would be like literally the structure of a movie. Like we understand mm-hmm. most movies as they have a beginning, a middle, and end. Uh, you know, first act, a second act, a third act. Uh, scenes happen. The scenes are usually, um, you know, it's like Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But what a smart director could do, if it makes sense for the movie, a la uh, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, is you can show us different um, different scenes in the progression of the movie, but present them to us out of sequential order. So you could have the diner scene first, and then... Um, you can have Bruce Willis and his and his watch, and then it goes back to Sam Jackson and um, what's his name and John Travolta. So like, it's the same thing. That is essentially what what's happening to Luis and the Heptapods. There is a world where they could watch Pulp Fiction, and it exists, and it's the Christopher Walken watch scene, and then it's I forgot what the actual order is. It's probably the the um the diner scene and then it's Bruce Willis and Mia and then, or no, it's John Travolta and Mia. And then it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> You're jumbled up just like Louise. Yeah, dude. I don't fucking know what's going on. Just like Louise. That's because I'm already at the end of the episode. Right. But I, I just came back to the middle. Our, as are our audience. members. <laughs> um, no, I had too I, much whiskey. All, all, all of what we've just said to make the point of that, what is offered to her is a way of thinking because thinking is language. We, th- we, we're speaking English right now. We think in English, we think in the way we communicate and being that heptapods communicate via a palindromic circle all at once. If they think that way, then they perceive things that way. And, you know, we have memories. We think about the past. If if memories occur to us in a in a circular form rather than a linear form, then why wouldn't the future be like that for them as well? So it's interesting because and I like that the film doesn't really like dive into the inner workings of it so much because obviously it, it amounts to a discussion like this where you actually have to think about it. Um, you know, the idea is that she's not having premonitions about the future she's seeing the choices that she's going to make and what's going to happen as a result of those choices in a much simpler i mean it's obviously more complicated than that but but simply that that's the that's the crux of it um but does she have a choice no i i don't think she does i think i think because it is it 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 implies that Everything that's going to happen, it's it's already done. The decisions are already made by everyone involved. Um, we can't change what we've decided to do in the past. How could we change what we're going to decide to do in the future? So when, when she makes the choice to call Shang, mm-hmm. she has no choice but to do that because she is remembering the future where he says thank you for making that call 
and he she would never remember that future memory if she had not already made the choice thus That's... she never had the opportunity to make the choice there's Correct. no reason it's... for me to talk about pulp fiction we could have i could have just used examples from this <laughs> movie <laughs> but but the example you're using it's it's the paradoxical nature of the premise um how could she know Shang's, uh, for anyone who doesn't know the, con the context, um, to prevent a war among nations and a war against the, the 12 alien craft, um, she needs to get the 12 nations to communicate uh -huh, with mm. each other. And China, led by General Shang, refuses to do that. Um, and she has no idea how to convince them. Um, she knows in the present the dying words of General Shang's wife. There's no way she could know that. But she knows it in the present because of a conversation she has with him in the future. So that idea is tricky too because then it completely goes against a lot of the points uh we we were making um because then if you're looking at it like that it's not so much that you're at any fixed point at any one particular time uh you're perceiving it all at once because if you're not how mm. could you know that information that hasn't happened yet unless she's jumping back and forth unless it's a He's seeing ABC, she's seeing ACB. That's you know true. And, sh and she's able, we don't really know what happens to uh, the per a person when their mind is unlocked via understanding the heptapod language. Yeah. But when, when they have do. have to get touched by them? Um, I just think that the, I don't think so. I think simply just learning the language over the course of time amounts to these perceptions mm. of time in a non-linear fashion. Because the, the, the flash forwards and at the time what we think are flashbacks of mm -hmm. her daughter are from the future and they start to pop up more progressively the more the she more, communicates yeah. with the heptapods. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. My it, brain I mean, is it, fried. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very complicated movie in terms of wrapping your head really around uh, what is being yeah. communicated to us and, and really what it means. But I think for as complicated as it is, like, or at least it seems whenever I'm watching it, it seems all laid out in a way that one respects the audience members intelligence, but also lays it out for them in a way that is digestible enough. Like, it's not like I feel sorry to keep uh, coming back to your, your favorite movie, but with something like Tenet, I feel like it was both all exposition and trying to explain to me what is going on while also never fully showing me and explaining to me what's going on. So like this you, one you, is, you just described the beauty of the film. <laughs> <laughs> like ha I, don't, I don't even, that's, I don't even know how he does that. It's, it's impressive, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're getting all like the information movie. at once and no information at the same time. And simultaneously no information. I guess it's like going forward and backward at the same time. Everything just equals out to zero. It's a it's yes, a zero sum game. Exactly. Just like uh just like Papa Jeremy always says. Um exactly. But yeah, dude, the beauty in this movie is that it um it it lays it out in a way that's understandable, but it doesn't necessarily dumb it down for someone as dumb as me. Like I can walk away from this movie and feel like I know what what happened, even though I can then come on to a podcast and not show any signs of knowing <laughs> what happened in the movie. <laughs> um, but I think that's the the as my acting teacher in college would call it the uh, the wonderful simplexity of the uh, the the piece of content itself, like it can be explained in a way that's very simple. Um, and language, once you understand it is very simple, but really diving into it and thinking about what it means is very complex. Um, and I think that's a human, I think that's all human language. I think that's the, the, 
the 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 interesting brilliance of what they do with the heptapod language and also what's interesting about just the, the film as as a whole and and what story it's telling and and really the 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 point it's leaving us with at the end um because ultimately the, the movie's not about an alien invasion the 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 movie is about communication um and it's about making choices when we already know the outcome because that's the whole but i don't think she knows the outcome well but doesn't she say that to jeremy at the end when they decide they're gonna they, they love each other or whatever is that she says if you knew what was going to happen would you make a different choice and he says no and i think that seals the deal for her yeah, or does it seal the deal for him? Or no, it seals the deal for her, and then she tells him what's going to happen. Um, well, no, she doesn't. Their their daughter gets sick and dies in the future, and he leaves her because when she, she gets sick. Yeah, because she reveals to him that she always knew this was going to happen. But she doesn't know everything that's going to happen. It's it only does, it doesn't seem so. Not everything. It's only a few things. I I I found the 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 words that I wanted to use for the way that the movie um, presents itself, which like mirrors how Louise sees time. And you 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 said it, and it it triggered the what I wrote down. It's story versus plot. So story is the actual sequential order, the A B C D of what happens, and then plot is how it's presented. So she sees everything as our plot as like mm -hmm. out of mix, but to her, it's all story. It's all sequential. Yes. That's so what, actually, that's a, yeah, that's a yeah. very, yeah, that's a good way of, and then of putting it. It's kind of the same to like, take it to a, a sort of third level of just like language. Um, and it's not really something that you can play around with as much in like sentence structure as you can with film structure but semantics and syntax. So like syntax would be the actual words that we're using. Um, and then semantics would be like the order that we're putting them in to create different sort of meanings. So mm -hmm. like she is using the same syntax that we use. Like she has the same moments in time. She has the moment with Shang, but for her, it's just semantically structured in a different way than it is for Shang and or Jeremy Renner, or literally anyone else on Earth. Except for maybe, like, the one dude in Sierra Leone who also unlocked the gift of uh, communicating with the uh, with the heptopods. Right. Arrival 2. Dude. Uh, departure. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, to, to completely derail this... Yeah. Uh, this quasi serious conversation. I, I was wondering what this movie would be like if, um, if it, if it happened during a Trump era presidency, Oh, he would just bomb them immediately. They'd be bombed. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the, the heptopods knew that. So they decided to show up when Biden got, uh, <laughs> they showed up a few months earlier while it was still Barack. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or like it's gotta be either Barack or, or Biden. It can't be, America We're is death process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. like Borat for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> Abbott is death process. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all the uh, the complex shenanigans and ridiculous nature of the conversation we just had, all of that to say is that the film is just a wonderful piece of thoughtful science fiction that is also just rooted uh ultimately in in humanity and and human nature um and it's just a wonderful sort of lens into our perception of that and what it could be um and that's sort of what we're left with it's like the 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 what's wonderful about the film is like i said it's it's sure aliens arrive on earth and the movie the whole crux of the plot is driven forward by our attempt to communicate with them but the movie is not about an alien invasion at, at all. It's about coming, coming together and understanding each other. 
It's lovely. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's wonderful. It really is. Yeah. I like. I I every time I come to the end of this movie, I'm I'm moved. I'm emotionally moved. I'm one in awe of the scientific complexities of it, but I'm also like I'm hit on a in my heart and in my soul on a very sort of human level. And again, I just don't think there are a lot of sci-fi movies that that can do both of those things. Hell, there are a lot of movies that can't do either. So when you get something that that can effectively do do both, like it's it's a real treat. Um I can't imagine anyone is still listening who hasn't seen this movie. Um but if you haven't, like definitely check it out. And if you're listening and like you watched it and you, you didn't you didn't really jive with it, I would consider giving it another shot. Um because there, there are so many different things that you can take from this movie. Even if you want to be like a cold, heartless person, you can still enjoy a lot of the sci-fi aspects. You can enjoy um, the the geopolitics and how how like grounded a lot of that stuff is in terms of like what it would actually look like on a world stage if aliens landed on this planet. Because one like. I think another reason why I love this movie is so many alien invasion movies that we see. It's like, oh, an alien landed in the middle of Kansas and there are like three people who saw it and who know that it that it happened. Shout out. Nope. Um, But like, no, it would be it would be an international thing that would involve like all of the world powers of the world, not just, you know, not just a couple of people in the U S or not just like the U S government shout out independence day. Um, (laughs) But you know, like this is, this is a, a a more, a more grounded example of, of what that would actually look like. Like there would be control rooms where we're communicating with Japan to see what kind of Intel they have, like, because they aliens would land all over the world. It's it's not just America. We're not the only country. I love that um, they that they picked like, oh, it just lands in Montana. <laughs> yeah, not like New yeah. York, New York or DC or whatever. It's just no, it just lands in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> At a big ass field in Montana. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and like one lands in the middle of the ocean. It's just chilling there. Yeah. <laughs> they have to drive a boat out to to talk to it. <laughs> um yeah, dude, I agree. I think uh, I think the film gets better every time you rewatch it. I think it's one of the, the few movies that's that that is like that. Um, and I just think it's a really really solid flick overall. I think for it, it doesn't have much action in it, if at all, really. But it's uh, effortlessly exciting throughout. Um, which I think is just a testament to the the storytelling and and the focus on really what's happening. And really, it's just about f- how the fuck do we communicate with these things that have never seen a human being before and don't speak our language? It's like it's like communicating to an animal, an intelligent animal, sure, but they don't fucking like what the fuck. But an animal, yeah. Um, when I saw this for for my workouting there was one dude after the movie a bunch of people were like wow that was actually really awesome like totally not what i was expecting really really cool movie can't wait to watch that again and one guy was like yeah i fell fell asleep it's too boring no nothing happened it's like what do you mean nothing happened it's oh god an extremely exciting tale about our purpose on this on this earth and how we can communicate with each other and and live in the moment and like live life to its fullest potential things are was happening from the second the movie starts like things are happening <laughs> <laughs> like they arrive within like two minutes yeah and then shit goes down but <laughs> whatever we digress each their own but i would i would still recommend it i would 100 um, percent recommend this film without to anyone really um dude 12 shells 12 hours on a clock when you look at a clock, it's all flat. The whole day is existing at the same time. Dude. Like a heptapod ink blot. Dude. How about that shit? 
That's fucking wild. This is not as wild, but the canary that's never explained. The canary in the film that they take into the heptapod ship. That's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Of Dune fame. Yeah, that, that canary's voiced by Timothy Chalamet. Uh, the canary um actually it's the same use that coal miners used cage birds for they would take them into an environment to know if it was safe or not so if the canary like starts showing signs of decline in health they'd know that the shell was no longer safe for them and the movie Mm. never explains this at all you either you have to google it like i did yeah no, you didn't Google it. You just knew that. Yeah, I just knew that for sure. You come from a a a, a long line of proud coal miners. That's right, dude. In Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn. Spe- coal spe- speaking of, I got I got to get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> that coal angle miner. Do you think they get the coal for those uh those brick oven pizzas? <laughs> um, I love the film. I think it's extremely exciting and rewatchable. I would recommend it to anybody. It's fucking top tier. Probably give it four, four and a half out of five. Sorry, I was just taking a big swig. I think I would, um, I was going, I go back and forth. I think right now I'm at a four and a half. I think Mm -hmm. that's, it's kind of where I sit just because it, it really did knock my socks off the first time I saw it. Um, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's simply fantastic. It's yeah. It's dynamite. It's absolutely dynamite. Probably go watch it again right now. You want to come over? Sure. Hit this hit this 4K? Yeah, why not? No, I've already I've already made the decision. I'm already there. You're here. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Dude. You're already here, but then you're going to re-remember that you weren't here and that's in the future right a memory of us watching arrival i have to remember that i need to watch the movie in order for us to talk about it back in 2017 when i first watched it (laughs) oh so now you're going back to 20 i thought you were in like 2024 dude we were watching it i'm everywhere and then you had to come back to here to remember when you said I'm going to watch it again. And that again was 20, the future. Fuck. I wonder how this movie is high. You probably shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) A turd as big as one of those damn shells. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Raph, I love the film. I hope hope everyone watches it. Raph, who are you? Where can the people who should watch it find you? Dude, I'm Raph. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd uh, at Raph Stitt. It's all one word. R-A-F-S-T-I-T-T. Come hang with me there and talk about movies and shit and the New York Mets. That's about it. What about you? Who are you? pretty sick. Dude, I'm Mike, dude. You can find me on Instagram at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-U-O-C-C-O. Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. You can also find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Ruoco. That's R-U-O-C-C-O. And you can find both Raph and myself on the podcast proper at Straight2DVDPod. That's the number two, Straight2DVDPod on Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcast. Mets just gave up a, a doinker. A doinky? Yeah, not good. Um, well, dude, whether, yeah, they man. Win, whether they win or they lose. As long it, as we all embrace the present moment that we're in, in that moment. If you're listening to this, I just want you to embrace that. I want you to feel that with all of your being no matter what the moment be in it and and that's it love it all right dude all right right, bro (laughs) we'll see you next time